0: Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Everyone, the last Chaos Ball Podcast Before the divisional preview episodes begin. Yes. Now the podcast is continuing. We forge on. Pictures and catches have reported. The season is almost upon us. And this one is going to be a short one. I'm I just started recording, so I don't know how long it's gonna be, but I know it's gonna be short. Not much to talk about. Uh, But I do want to go over My preview Podcast My divisional preview podcast And Kind of the The scheduling around those I've figured out When they're going to come out And when I'm going to record those Because there's seven of them That I'm going to record Six divisional previews And then one Final Mariners season preview Uh, And the first one Will be coming out next Friday The first pod Uh, And what division will that be? Have not decided yet a week before. I, I'm doing that this weekend. I'm gonna figure out what division might have the least involvement in the remaining free agents and go from there. That's how I'm gonna try to do this. Um so sneaky might might go AL Central next week for the first podcast because I don't know if any of those teams will really be involved in these big hitters that are left. I say that and I will push the pot out on Friday and the Twins will sign Jordan Montgomery on Saturday or something like that. Something like that will probably happen, but I hope in the next week before that comes out for some free agents sign as pitchers and catchers report. I talked about the free agents remaining last week and still so many of them are not signed. The only one that did sign was Jorge Soler to the Giants, which I don't have much analysis on that. Good signing for the Giants. They needed competent hitting. Uh, but otherwise, the the big pitchers are still out there. You know, Matt Chapman to the Mariners was the topic of Mariners Twitter today on February 15th, which there's a consensus that uh, no. The answer is no. A resounding no from me, from everyone else on Twitter. Uh feels like a one of the things we're actually united on on the Mariners' internet, so that's something. But I hope in the next week, yeah, they or in the next two weeks, I guess, those free agents find a home, not only for them, because it must kind of suck not knowing where you're going to play as you see pitchers and catchers start reporting, like spring training games or right around the corner, uh, but also f- for my divisional previews so I know a little bit more of the final teams that we're going to see to start the season for these divisions. But, uh, so it'll be, it'll be one preview next week. And then I believe, I think I'm going to do two in the final week of February. And then two in the first week of March. And then one in the second week of March, which will probably be the AOS preview And then the Mariners preview will be coming out on the 22nd, which is a week before opening day baseball will have started though the Dodgers. And I think, oh God, it's the Padres are playing in Japan, but that doesn't affect the Mariners at all. So the Mariners preview podcast will be on March 22nd, a week before opening day. Uh, It gives me a lot of time and gives me the most time in spring training too. to, to take any type of takeaways from spring training for the Mariners roster so that is what the preview podcast schedule is going to look like and if you are new to this show which many of you actually are many of you picked up in in the last season uh, not last offseason but I like to look at baseball not only through a Mariners lens even though this is a Mariners podcast I like to look at it somewhat holistically because i like and very much enjoy watching baseball in general and keeping up with the broader sport and I will be talking about the expectations and my take on each division and each team in that division prior to the season starts and then I will give my over under uh, betting choice of the year uh, in which I went 500 last year which honestly is a success so we'll see if I can repeat that this year. And uh I think I'm gonna have each team's each team's like X factor, you know, what's the most important thing for this team this year? The the fun players, I like to kinda of talk about if you're mainly a fan of the Mariners, which I'm assuming all of you are if you're listening to the show. Uh, but I like to just talk about the fun players on other teams. So if you're just kind of scrolling throughout the season and you're like, Oh, who man, why would I wanna watch this team? Well, I listened to the Chaos Ball podcast, and he said that player's kind of fun, so maybe I'll watch that because there's fun players on each team, no matter how bad they are. There are there's sometimes it's gonna be worth it to watch the White Sox this year. Maybe when just Dylan sees pitches, but you know we'll see. But that's it. That is the schedule. Uh, Seven pods in the next month. Look forward to it. I really enjoy doing these. If you don't enjoy listening to them, that's fine. I'm gonna do them anyway. Because uh, I just, it also gives me a reason to somewhat research uh, and go kind of in depth on each team. So I kind of know for myself what to expect because I like to get as deep into baseball as I possibly can. So that is the schedule. And that is it for not the podcast, but that little housekeeping note at the start. So the preview podcast starts next week. And that means there won't be really any other off-season-type banter-related podcasts in between unless the Mariners make a big move. Then that might warrant a little emergency pod, but I still don't necessarily see that happening. So that is the schedule. That's what you can expect the next month leading up to opening day. And now let's get into the limited rundown before, and I'm going to end the episode bringing back a little segment that I used to call Baseball Reference Part of the Week, uh, that's a lie. It's definitely not weekly, not even monthly. I really kind of stopped doing it last season as there was so much to talk about with the Mariners and how the season was going. Uh, maybe I'll make it monthly this year. I don't know. I got to figure it out. But I do have a player to talk about this uh, episode because I wanted to and there's not much else to talk about. So, And if, again, you're new and you don't know what that means, uh, I like to scour the depths of baseball reference, specifically pre-1940s, like 1940s, uh, because the player nicknames and even just normal names are kind of ridiculous, uh, and I like to bring light of that to the people who listen to this show. Uh, sometimes the names are just the names. Sometimes the player has really no significance, and the name is just really ridiculous, and I like to just put that into your brain, because names are silly or just their nickname is really fun. But sometimes sometimes the player is like a hall of famer or actually had like, you know, baseball was his second job and he was actually a really good coal miner. That's a lot of early baseball. These guys were not just professional baseball players. They were doing something else. And sometimes it's real wacky. Like the first one I did, uh, the first baseball reference player of the week I ever did was butts Wagner which is honus wagner's lesser known brother who also played baseball but was a better basketball player actually and his name was butts um old Haas radborn which is one of the the hall of famers with one of the greatest names of all time who threw uh 650 innings in a season once um uh, i talked i like there's some guys who, again, didn't really do much in baseball, but their name was funny. Like Icebox Chamberlain, electric name. Snake Deal was a good one. Uh, that that type of stuff. I like to do that. So I think you already know the name of this guy. I'm going to include him in the episode title, but I will be talking about him at the end of the episode to end this one and, and wrap up the offseason with a nice bow talking about a random baseball player from the early 1900s. So what is there to talk about before then? Pitchers and catchers reported. They're there. The Mariners pitchers, they're there. The beat writer videos hitting the internet, hitting Twitter specifically. I've watched them. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to watch bullpen videos from beat writers. And there's not much to report really. The lads are there. Uh, Everyone looks good. You know, there's... There was a fun little picture of the managers starting rotation talking to each other today, and just it just makes me tingle. It just makes me feel things. It just makes me so excited for baseball to be back. And I, I'm not even really that big of a spring training guy. Uh, it just, it just like makes me realize how much closer the actual season is to start, and that fires me up. Uh, but a little actual news: Gregory Santos injury update. Uh, I know when I talked about him on the pod, when the Mariners acquired him mentioned the the elephant in the room is he got shut down at the end of last season, ended his season for he had like elbow soreness. uh, And apparently he's not actually dealing with elbow issues. According to Ryan Divish, Uh, he's not there right now in spring training. He's going to be a little behind. He's not going to throw off the mound right away. Apparently he felt some soreness in his lat area after throwing a bullpen in peoria presumably like yesterday a couple days ago Uh, and so the M's decided to dial it back and slow play him to spring which is probably for the best uh, according to ryan Divish. and it's good news it's not his elbow i mean lat issues are the other one with pitchers where it's not like they're gonna they might not be out for the whole year require surgery but like lat issues are tough I guess not for pitchers, for baseball players especially. They do a lot of twisting in their upper bodies. And lat injuries are brutal, but it doesn't sound like anything too serious. Uh, so that is good news. That is very good news. Otherwise, not much Mariners news, to be honest. Um, the, the other big news specifically that came out today, the day I'm recording, is Rob Manford is stepping down as commissioner in 2029. I think that must be when his contract is up. And I'm going to use this space right now to officially announce my campaign and my candidacy for the MLB commissioner. I did announce this uh, when I was in college a few years ago to my friends, and they supported me in it. And if I know my friends, they're so much like the 30 owners in baseball and would absolutely elect me. So owners, if you're listening, I will do so much for you. If you elect me as the MOB commissioner, I will be an owner's commissioner through and through. I will not. I'm lying. I'm lying. They stopped listening after I said that. They got so excited. I don't especially know how a commissioner is chosen now that I'm thinking about it. I don't really think I can just announce my candidacy, although I did today on Twitter. Uh, I, don't th- I feel like it's not really an election. Like, I know they have to get approved by the owners, which is ultimately where I would falter, Uh, being fairly anti-billionaire owner, as I am very vocally. I think I wouldn't really get past the stage of interview, Uh, nor do I have like a law degree, which I think you kind of need some sort of litigation experience to be MLB commissioner. But I think I'm just going to change the position. Uh, I'm going to be a groundbreaking changing leader in the sport in the future. So vote for me, vote for me. I, I'm, I'll am i be the players commissioner. I'll be the fans commissioner. I'll be whatever you want me to be. But that was news. I mean, it's, it's cool, but that's not for a long time. And, and like, who cares about that right now, to be quite honest with you. Now, the last topic before I get to that player I was talking about, I told you, this is going to be a short episode. It's going to be very short and sweet. The Nike Fanatics jerseys this year suck. It has been the topic of discussion the last few days on the baseball internet. They stink out loud. The jerseys you can buy look shitty, and they've only been getting shittier. I mean, the past couple of years, I don't, I'm not, I don't buy jerseys too often because they're so expensive. Um, actually, I don't think I've ever bought a baseball jersey for myself. I've gotten them as gifts. Uh, They're so expensive to begin with, and so if you're spending that much money on a jersey, you would expect a certain amount of quality, and unfortunately, Fanatics is operating in in the late-stage capitalism era that we are in and doesn't especially care about the quality of its clothing anymore Uh, fanatics like sucks twitter account is very entertaining if you haven't seen that Uh, but these jerseys stink players have complained about them like a lot of them except for jason hayward who is clearly shilling for nike Uh, a lot of players have complained they generally even from afar like, I think probably it, someone took kind of a deep dive and like, the stitching and the lettering and just the general quality looks like trash up close, but even from afar, when you just look at the name on the back, it looks like Garbo. It looks like absolute trash. Like, and it's, it's something where I think if enough players complain about it, I think that some change could be made, because... It's one thing for the jerseys that the teams sell to suck and be poor quality. That's at least something where it's like it shouldn't be, but it's more predictable. The jerseys on the field sucking and being poor quality and looking bad is not really what I had on my bingo card. Because I would at least think these, these greedy, greedy corporations and like Michael Rubin at Fanatics would cater at least to make the players look good. And MLB jerseys in general look good. I think MLB does a great job of making jerseys look clean. Like, they look nice. Generally, the stitching is good. The lettering on the back is big. You can see it from afar. And it looks like the lettering is not only smaller and not really stitched, more painted on this year, but also the name is kind of smaller and wrapping around the number instead of, like, being more straight and more pronounced which how or what's christian encarnacion strands jersey going to look like i demand to know because i saw verlander his jersey today on twitter and it was wrapping around fairly significantly and his name is like half the length of encarnacion strand so what are they going to do with his uh i just want to talk about that because that sucks the jerseys suck if if players are complaining about it you know it's bad Cause I don't think players would generally give a shit if there was a slight drop in quality. Like I'm sure there has been in the past couple of years, but it's it's a it's a steep drop-off this year. And it's unfortunately very reflective of the fanatics and Nike uh, stuff that they've been putting out the past couple of years. Not only like printing mistakes are becoming more common, but the just general quality of the closing has clearly declined. Obviously, what is going on is they're trying to squeeze as much profit out of their business as possible. I'm sure they leaned out their supply chain uh, after the pandemic had all that issues, and I'm sure they're not paying as much money to have them produced. And I'm sure the quality of the goods that they're getting is not as good. I'm sure everything they're doing is is of poor quality, but they're charging more money for it, which is unfortunately very <laughs> emblematic of society if you are listening to this and or, or live in america even specifically it just uh, shit sucks but the jerseys stink that sucks i this doesn't affect me personally too much i'm not someone who buys jerseys every year or even every other year i don't buy jerseys often but uh that it just sucks to see players complain about it again except for jason hayward who i demand to know how much they paid him to take that video Of him saying, wow, these jerseys are great. The quality is so good. After countless players and media members had shit on them all day. Conveniently, Jason Hayward from the Dodgers main account is talking about how nice the jerseys are. Just, yeah, that's that's something. Uh, But let's get into it. Let's get into... Grover Loudermilk as you saw in the title yes his name is Grover Loudermilk again if you're new this is the type of vibe we're going for I go and look at Brooklyn Bridesgroom's rosters you know I go and look at early St. Louis Brown's rosters and find these guys this guy's name is Grover Loudermilk I mean that's for one awesome name and there's more lore around this name than you might think because his full name is Grover Cleveland louder milk? And now, there inside you there are two wolves. And if you thought of the baseball player, Grover Cleveland Alexander first, baseball wolf. And if you thought of the president, Grover Cleveland first, history wolf. Now not only did i i knew about grover cleveland alexander the pitcher he's in the hall of fame he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time he like an iconic pitcher for the early um philadelphia phillies teams that won a few world series and he has a jersey retired by the phillies i'm pretty sure and he it was one of the earlier hall of famers elected in like the thirty or 30s or 40s grover cleveland alexander obviously shares the name with Grover Cleveland, the president. And now I learned of a new guy, Grover Cleveland, Loudermilk, who was born on January 15th, 1885. And in a fashion that was not uncommon at the time, he was christened with the name of the current president, Grover Cleveland. And that's when I learned that that was a thing. We used to just name our kids after the current president. That's kind of crazy. Like, be more creative than that. Like, the first name, sure, but having your full name be Grover Cleveland Loudermilk or Grover Cleveland Blank, whatever your last name is, is kind of whack to me. Like, be more creative than that, guys. Like, I wonder when that stopped. Like, this was in the late 1800s, so it, I'm, uh, it probably stopped in the early 20th century, you got to think. But that, I had no idea that was a common thing of that time. And then I also looked it up. So he was born on January 15th, 1885. Grover Cleveland was in office March 4th, 1885 to 1889. So clearly he was, he was the president-elect at the time. Which I guess was good enough for the louder milk family to name him Grover Cleveland uh, instead of Benjamin Harrison, the lame duck president at the time. Thought that was interesting, um, but I, I haven't talked about his baseball career at all because I got down a rabbit hole of looking up players who were named after presidents. It's Grover Cleveland louder milk is is the first Grover Cleveland that's going to appear in my head now because of his name because of his last name, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not only dwarfed in name by the president at the time, who most people would probably remember, but also a Hall of Fame pitcher who was born two years after him and played around the same time in Major League Baseball. So, uh, being not the only, not the greatest Grover Cleveland in your particular field at the time, being named after a president when you were a baby—that's brutal, man. That's tough. Like, I'm, I maybe there might have been a complex, a little inferiority complex with Grover Loudermilk. I don't know. But Grover Cleveland Loudermilk, I can't stop saying his name. I mean, it's phenomenal. So before I truly get into his baseball career, and there's not like that much spectacular stuff about his baseball career, the Loudermilk family's presence in the United States is older than the nation itself. Their patriarch, Jacob Loudermilk Sr., the spelling means clear milk, and German, and it's spelled obviously different than, as you see in the title of this episode, it's L-A-U-T-E-R-M-I-L-C-H, milk. He was born in Germany in 1716 and emigrated to the American colonies sometime before 1750, and after settling in Maryland, he was a distinguished soldier in the Revolutionary War, a second lieutenant in the Continental Army. His descendants spread westward with the new nation, and the family name became Americanized thereafter. So, Loudermilk comes from a good crop. He comes from a, a, a revolutionary family of, of German immigrants to America, which makes sense with the name. So, Grover Cleveland, clear milk is what that translates to. Uh, <laughs> President of the United States, clear milk is the, is the perfect translation there for you but his baseball career. So he has a couple of unique things about his baseball career. He played in the uh, second half of the dead ball era from 1909 to 1920, and he was a pitcher. So he was benefiting at least somewhat from the dead ball era. He was a steady player in MLB. He wasn't, he wasn't anything special. He has a negative 3.1 career war but war at that time come on we really trust in that uh, he had a career 3.58 ERA in 590 innings pitched which sounds fine but for the dead ball era i mean come on dude pick up pick it up a little bit but what's really interesting about his baseball career is that he played he played for a lot of teams he played for the St. Louis Cardinals the Cubs in Chicago at the time Right? 1912. Yes. the Yeah, they're in Chicago. Uh, the St. Louis Browns, the Tigers of. Why am I. The Detroit. Yeah, they're in Detroit. Uh, the Cleveland Indians. He played for then the St. Louis Browns again. And then he finished his career in 1919 and then 1920 on the Chicago White Sox. And if the 1919 Chicago White Sox concept rings a bell in your head. It's because (laughs) that is the Black Sox year. That is the 1919 World Series White Sox year, uh, where a few White Sox players were found in a scheme of of fixing the World Series. It's one of baseball's biggest scandals. I mean, it might be baseball's most well-known scandal, especially because of uh, the aftermath of it And also just It was I don't think there had been Really a huge baseball scandal Up until this point In organized baseball Not of, not to this degree In the World Series I mean And there's a unique name It's the Black Sox Like when you say that Someone knows Usually Oh that's the 1919 White Sox Right? So here's a little A little blurb um, Of like his involvement He was cleared He wasn't one of the the fixers of this World Series. So he was he was cleared from this. He was not banned from baseball like the uh, the six teammates. Uh, they're not six. There was more than six. Um, like his teammates were that did this. So some background. The White Sox were favored to win the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. And with Eddie Kikote and Lefty Williams anchoring the rotation, Watermilk didn't figure to see much playing time in October. Yes, you kind of needed... One or two guys back then, and you were fine, pitching-wise. But in Game 1, Kikody was knocked out early after allowing five runs in the fourth inning, and Laddermich was sent in for mop-up duty at the end. He allowed an RBI triple to pitcher Dutch Ruther and walked a man and hit another in the eighth inning as the Reds won 9-1. Although Kocote and Williams struggled to pitch effectively throughout the series, Gleason, the coach never turned to Loudermilk again in the series. A year later, it was revealed that Cacody, Williams, and six other White Sox teammates had conspired to throw the World Series to the Reds, and they were all banned for life from baseball. Later, Loudermilk said he often wished he could forget the World Series. I don't think we could have beaten Cincinnati anyway, he said. The Reds had a great ball club. I mean, I feel like that's kind of lessening the blow of this a little bit, Grover. Um, you were favored in this series, but... So it's good, it's good. He pitched on the 1919 White Sox, but he wasn't one of the one of the guys, a part of the Black Sox scandal who got banned from baseball. So that we know. And then about his game, about his pitching. He was a unique pitcher. Uh, so this this blurb is really good and really kind of defines who he was as a pitcher. Louder Milk's wildness kept him from being a more successful pitcher. And the 590 and a third major league innings that he threw. He surrendered 376 walks against 296 strikeouts, and he hit 37 batters. He finished with a win-loss record of just 23-39 and 39 in the majors, but his lack of control wasn't as much of a hindrance in the minors, where he won 181 games in 12 seasons. Still, Loudermilk frustrated managers and teammates who expected more from a pitcher whose fastball was often compared to with Walter Johnson's, Hall of Fame umpire Billy Evans once wrote, Loudermilk ought to be one of the greatest pitchers in the business. He has a world of speed, a fast-breaking curve, a peculiar windup that has the ball on the batsman very quick, very quickly. In fact, every asset of a great pitcher except control. Inability to get the ball over the plate has been Loudermilk's fatal flaw. End quote. And that is Grover Loudermilk. That's it. That's what I have for you. Now it sounds like to me, Grover Loudermilk was in the wrong era. It sounds like he needed to be in the era of analytics and pitching labs and get that control fixed. Put Grover Loudermilk in the Mariners bullpen in 2024, he'd be cooking. I I, I have full confidence in that. But that was Grover Loudermilk, and that was what was formerly known as Baseball Reference Player of the Week. Name to be changed soon, probably of that segment, but I'm glad I could talk about a random player like that again. And we learned a little bit about history, baseball history and naming history in the country today, but that's it for this podcast. Thank you for listening. I told you short and sweet under half an hour, uh, next week, uh, first preview podcast, divisional preview. And those ones are longer. Those ones are over an hour. I try to spend 15 to 20 ish minutes talking about each of the five teams in the division. So they're longer. uh, And I, I, again, really like doing them. I'm happy to do them again this year. Uh, First one next week. Still, I'm leaning ale central, uh, but still to be determined, like the order in which I'm going to do these, but appreciate you listening. Of course, thank you for all the new listeners. If you're listening this far, welcome to a full season of this podcast. And, Of course, recommend it to your friends if you want, if you can. It's mandatory, actually. But I will give you, as pitchers and catchers report, a hearty go Mariners to end your week.